Welcome back to Forgotten Heroes, everybody. My name is Chris. I am here with my good friend and encyclopedia of all things comic and co-host, Zach. And we are going to be continuing to talk about comic books today. How are you doing there, Zach? I'm doing good, Chris. You have the best intros. What do you, mean you the really best do. intros? Like, they're the same every time, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, let me... Better than just hey, welcome back. Uh, it's me and this guy. You're you're like it's it's like me it's me and the encyclopedia. Like you put a pep in it. Well, I gotta make it sound good. Plus, this whole thing was like very much your idea. So even though I do the yeah. intro, I feel bad taking the credit. So like I feel like I have to like I cite my sources. I throw my bibliography in first, and then we <laughs> jump into the good stuff. You know. I get it. I get it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so today we're going to if you were with us last week we talked about um some different versions of superman as well as the sort of like superman family um and we mentioned that we were going to give supergirl her own episode and this is it this is the supergirl episode we figured it made the most sense to just sort of like do it right after the fact that way it was all still fresh in our brains especially with you know all the house of l stuff and all the lore behind superman because you know if you're not familiar with superman um I don't or know how least, you're not. No yeah, offense, I mean, well, like, <laughs> when I say not familiar, I mean not familiar with like you know, like the lore, the nuances, like that, that heavy, yeah, like the heavy the nuances, nuances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I just mean, stuff but, we talk about the episode, like you know, all the blood ties and everything like that. Yes, because uh, I was gonna say if you don't, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to find this source, but the symbol Superman symbol is almost as popular, if not more recognizable than. The cross itself, so... Like, the cross for, like, the Bible and, like, Catholicism yes. and stuff? Really? Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to find it. I have to find my sources for that, but I know for a fact I've heard that before. Whether it's still true or not, I don't know. But wow. I will find the source. But, yes, when you're talking about comic books, the multiverse might... It most likely will be into play. And since we're talking about DC, you have 52 po- – well, you have now an infinite multiverse again after the events of Death Metal. We're not going to get into really what that is because that's not relevant. But we will be talking about different Earths or different timelines that may or may not exist anymore because of all their re- you know reboots that they've done. Mm-hmm. The so, rebirth, as it is sometimes mentioned as, but yeah, I think I think one of these days we're gonna have to do a death metal and flashpoint and rebirth. You know, not in the same episode. Those are separate episodes. Because holy crap, if that was the same episode, that would that would be way too much. But um, yeah, just sort of like explain just sort of like these big events that's going on in DC. But for now, before we get into the nitty gritty, yes, Zach said it perfectly. Got multiverses and stuff like that. Um, and since we're talking about one character, we are especially sort of harping on the multiverse thing here. It's not necessarily um, divided or has, like, enough degrees of separation, kind of like last episode, where we had, like, a different version of Superman, but also, like, family versions of him. This is just Supergirl, and this is different versions of her Superwoman, Supergirl, you know, Bizarro Girl, stuff like that. I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to spoil, but <laughs> we're just talking about that today. So, yeah, multiverse very good to throw that in there. 
Um, and, you know, Supergirl, if you're not familiar with her, she is the... Well, before I start, is there anything else that you would like to mention, Zach? I don't mean to cut you off. I always feel like I'm cutting you off. Uh, no, you're not cutting me off uh, this time. You know, a lot of times <laughs> you got to cut me... Yeah, well, you got to cut me off because otherwise I'll just go on a tangent. But you know, we pretty much got it. Um, talk about Supergirl. We're gonna Sweet. start off with we're gonna start off with Prime Earth, the the mm-hmm. typical like if you were to go pick up a Supergirl book or even just any DC com most DC comic books right now, you it's mostly unless stated otherwise that you're talking about Prime Earth, which is the current Earth of the DC multiverse, the current main one. Mm-hmm. And this is the sort of Supergirl that is – she's quote-unquote rebirth Supergirl. Once again, that has to do with the events of the New 52 and all of that sort of like uh, big event. Once again, not important right now. We will explain it at some point um, because I'm, I'm sure that at this point, you know, almost 25 episodes in, it's starting to get a little confusing. So we, we will definitely dedicate an episode to that. Don't worry. Um, but for right now, all you need to know is about rebirth Supergirl – Kara Zor-El from Prime Earth. So she is um, Superman's cousin, and she sort of hasn't. It, it, she landed on Earth, but she has like sort of a delayed story, a little like a little bit of a delayed origin compared to Superman, who sort of like went straight to Earth. So she was adopted by the Danvers um, and became the protector of National City. She's been a member of the Justice League, and she's also been part of the Red Lantern Corps as well. And we'll get to that in a second, because that's actually a very interesting point in her arc. Um, So like I said, similar backstory. It's a little bit different. Um, Her rocket pod spent two decades circling the sun until actually landing in Siberia in Earth Prime. And, you know, sort of the second that she landed, obviously very, very disoriented, just like Superman. Um, But a little bit of different circumstances. So she's technically a little bit older since she's in space and time moves differently. Um, so she lands on Earth. She sees Superman because he detects her sort of coming in the atmosphere and landing in Siberia and um, sort of attacks him. That's sort of her first claim to fame. She lands on Earth and she fights Superman, basically, because she assumes that he's an imposter of her cousin when in reality he is her cousin. But she's disoriented from space travel and all that bunch of stuff. Um, and then she realizes that the battle is putting people in danger and decides to sort of like slow it down and listen to him and eventually sort of like once again just sort of like regains her personality and understands what's going on and gets her bearings and sort of comes back to Earth, right? Um, and so the next sort of like big moment in her arc is that she was found by a Red Lantern ring. So that's the Red Lantern core that I mentioned earlier. Um, after Lobo taunted her in a fight. Um, after months and months of her battles and her having survivor's guilt on Earth and stuff like that, because she's the last daughter of Krypton, sort of like in addition to Superman as well. The reason why is, you know, once again, she was delayed for so long. So she was circling the sun um, for two decades, but that's in space time. So that equates to a very decent amount of Earth time. So it shakes it up a little bit. Um, So, yeah, she gets taunted by Lobo in a fight. Um, and the Red Lantern ring finds her because she absolutely loses her shit. She really, really lets go because Lobo just sort of like hits her right where it hurts. Um, and her just amount of rage and anger and the ring sort of senses that and seeks that out. Right. Um, but realizing that she has all this power and all this anger, she flees to space so she doesn't hurt anybody else. 
Um, and from there, she sort of like passes out and is picked up by some Green Lanterns who then bring her to the Blood Ocean on a separate planet. Um, and the Blood Ocean essentially is like sort of a healing pool um, in some senses for the Lantern Corps. Um, and so they dunk her in there and she gets her sanity back. And then from there, she sort of like joins the Red Lantern Corps for a while. Um, it really helps her. It's like very therapeutic for her. And that's sort of a, the- a theme that you're going to see with Supergirl. Therapeutic. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have to, ther- I have to, it's, I gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah. cut in here. I'm yeah, sorry. It's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm saying therapeutic in a broad sense. Zach, Zach is going to hit you with the specifics <laughs> here. <laughs> well, I, well, listen, because it, it, but it's funny that that's really funny to me that it's like, oh, it's therapeutic. That should not be therapeutic to be a Red Lantern because that no. fills you with such hatred and God. it changes your blood to plasma and and like you're just angry all the time. And that to me is terrifying because oh, if yeah. you think about it, what it's like are people like, oh, well, it's Supergirl. She's not as strong as her cousin. No, if anything, I feel like she's there's a lot of times it hints that she's stronger. Oh, yeah. No, there, there's plenty of speculation out there that she is actually faster than superman faster as far as like stronger. actual yeah she absorbs yeah. the sunlight better a quicker or, yep more often than not it's usually alluded to that she's just quicker than he is the strength is usually disputed a little bit but more often than not the speed is like pretty much hers yep and then, so that's terrifying and then you give her the powers of a red lantern it, it's just if you piss her off just goodbye just yeah. say goodbye yeah, that's but at the happen. same time, you know, it being therapeutic for her, that tells you just how much rage and how much survivor's guilt and just like how much isolation she's dealing with. Right. So she's been circling the sun for two decades in space time that equates to probably close to 200 years. And so, you know, she has been just sort of like in stasis while her like pieces of her planet and her relatives have been flying past the sun the entire time. <laughs> Meanwhile, her cousin's just hanging out on Earth. And so she lands, freaks out, fights him. I would too, honestly. Like, it makes a lot of sense. But you're right. Her joining the Red Lantern Corps as, like, therapy, wouldn't recommend it, folks, at all. Go to an actual therapist. You know, don't go from planet to planet fighting people. It's, you know, it works for her, doesn't work for everybody else. What works for a Kryptonian does not work for you, okay? Let's make that (laughs) clear, all right? Like... I love the fact that you said that like somebody's actually writing this down of notes of like oh I have to do this no don't do this like I'm gonna get really angry we're, yeah we're talking obviously yeah we know we're talking about fictional stuff but that's just funny to me <laughs> yeah but it, it's interesting because even it, it is sort of like a backwards type of therapy I'm really glad that you mentioned that um but yeah so she gets her sanity back after coming back from the blood ocean um joining the red lanterns help her get over her anger and her isolation issues um but she is kicked off the team um to avoid her death at the hands of atrocitus who is sort of like um the very big bad red lantern uh if you're not familiar with atrocitus at the very least he's gonna come up again with us um if you'd like to look him up and just get a little bit of lore behind him atrocitus is spelled a-t-r-o-c-i-t-u-s go ahead and give him a look he's uh he's a very interesting red lantern character um and one that you would probably get a decent amount of knowledge from there's not too many different versions of him so i don't know if he'll get his own spotlight but he's definitely gonna pop up because he's he's a pretty significant bad guy anyways no we're definitely talking about the red lanterns when we 
Oh yeah, we're upon the Lantern cores. Yes, so that we are planning to do that. That's in the works because the Lantern core is already significant as it is. So, but anyways, don't want to get off on a on a how much I love the Green Lanterns. So, coming back to Atrocitus, he returns to Earth after Supergirl is kicked off the Red Lantern core, um, and to sort of take it over. And so she ends up having to fight back the main attack force while the other Lanterns come in to fight Atrocitus. Um, they are successful in the battle, and they sort of, like, commend her for her bravery um, and the fact that she's, like, so emotionally stable, and that's, like, sort of what allowed them to win this battle. Um, and she's offered a permanent place in the Red Lantern Corps, um, but turns it down because she realizes that she eventually has to let go of her anger. Um, and once again, this is a theme you're going to see with Supergirl and with Superwoman, is that more often than not, she has an insane amount of of to boil it down basically ptsd she has an incredible amount of survivor's guilt she has an incredible amount of anger she has an incredible amount of just like sort of jealousy and she doesn't really know what to do with her life so that's something you're going to see through a lot of her arcs um there's one that we mentioned that i don't think it really comes up at all but that's just because it's a time and place type thing but more often than not she has a lot of survivor's guilt and ptsd just from the events of getting her to earth right um so on her way back to Earth, before she um, gets to the battle, she fights something called the World Killer by getting rid of her Red Lantern ring um, for good and allowing the sun to restart her heart, which allows her to beat the World Killer. Um, it's sort of kind of a weird, confusing plot point, I know, uh, but it's important because it's another way that she sort of like tarnishes the ring and sort of like becomes her full Kryptonian self with the recharging of the sun and all that other stuff. Which, um, which is yeah, pretty impressive because, yep. and we will get more into this when we do our Lantern episode. Uh, when you remove a red, the, when a red Lantern ring gets on your finger, that becomes your heart. So if it gets removed, you die. So doesn't matter who you are, you were supposed to die unless you're, Probably, I can think of a handful of people probably that would just keep going afterwards. Yeah. But even hence in Kryptonian, yeah, hence yeah. why she had to get her heart restarted by the sun. Yeah, she just flew into the sun. And the sun's like, oh, okay, Poof. and I'm like, you um, need this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which which does sound again it can sound comic booky, but hey, that it's very it's very and symbolic, it, and honestly, I I really yeah. enjoy it. But um, yeah, she's got some pretty impressive uh battles and sort of alliances under her belt she's fought cyborg superman cyborg cyborg superman um that that that, uh that that bag that poo bag superman cyborg superman i know what you meant um yeah and honestly she kind of kicked the crap out of him um she's worked with red hood to stop an alien gang from supplying weapons to Earth. Um, and she's had a brief run-in with uh, Kong Keenan that we talked about in last episodes on better insight on how to control her powers when she first sort of arrives to Earth and gets good control of her key, which is one of his sort of innate powers that he has excellent control of because of the whole yin and yang feature. So we have her interacting with a lesser-known version of Superman as well, which is very, very interesting. So, yeah, that's sort of just sort of like base understanding of where supergirl is now that's rebirth kara zor l from prime earth so that's everything that you're going to get from there right and so it's it's important to note i'm going to harp on this again because the survivor's guilt and the 
just sort of like the PTSD and everything that comes from her just origin is it's important because in some way it usually ends up it, it puts her in some sort of a position more often than not in most arcs where she has to overcome something, whether it's herself and sort of like a symbolic version of it, like the world killer or the red lantern ring on top of like the emotional baggage that she has. Um, she's an incredibly strong character. I don't want anybody to get it twisted and think that, you know, just because she has all this PTSD and just because she showed up to earth late, um, you know, that she's not necessarily as strong. We want to make it very clear that she's getting this separate episode because she's so strong, because she has to deal with all this crap. Um, just like the amount of baggage that she deals with Superman's pales in comparison to hers, simply because she was late to the party and simply because she learns all this information so, so long after Kent, after Clark does. And so it's, it puts her in a very interesting position. And I think it makes her character unique, you know, kind of, I, I would attribute it to Con Keenan as well. It's sort of like, it's an interesting version where like his is more earth-based and he has a good spiritual understanding and key, but he also is emotional and lashes out and makes rash decisions. It's a similar sort of um, emotional replication that I really, really enjoy. And so it's like, it makes her character unique. I really, really enjoyed Supergirl, honestly. She's personally one of my favorites, and I'm really glad that we finally got into the episode where we're talking about her. But, um, yeah, she's a great lead, um, and, you know, there's a couple versions of her that are not so good. Uh, but don't worry, we're not going to bring them up here when we talk about the good stuff. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it begs the question, like, what if she had landed in a different time? You know, like, what if she had showed up to the Earth just a little bit earlier or a little bit later? Um, and in some of those, those are actually the case, as with our next character that Zach is going to introduce. <laughs> that was a pretty good rundown of Supergirl. Very, very good. I didn't even realize she she met with Con Keenan. I don't, yeah, it's you know, it's it's very brief, and I also realized that we were saying his name wrong last episode. It's Kong Keenan, not Keenan Kong. I I realize I think we I realized it I we were just gonna I realized it too after the fact and I'm like well we were using his western the western name like the yeah, way we, we would say his name, western here. Of his name but his yeah his his cultural yeah. his actual um cultural name is Kong Keenan so we apologize for that that's his actual name we were saying Keenan Kong just because it's said both ways in the comics but his genuine name is Kong Keenan so there yep. we go got that out of the way <laughs> yeah so. Yeah, I mean, hopefully nobody's mad about that. But yes, let's move on to another alternate version of Supergirl. So we're gonna talk about the bombshells. Uh, so Kara Starkov is her name. I'm sure I screwed that up. I'm sorry. No, you you actually got that. Kara Starkov. Yeah, you nailed it. Oh, good. I'm sure I'm sure somebody might tell us we said it wrong. Anyway, so yeah. she she's from an alternate Earth. Where the female superheroes protect the home front during World War II, and Kara landed in the Soviet Union and originally worked for the Communist Party until defecting to America to work with the bombshells. So she was found by Ipati Dugin and Vavara Dugina. Again, I'm sure I butchered those names. I think you were pretty close. 
<laughs> so they adopted her into their family because, again, this is a DC bombshell, so they focus more on the on the female superheroes than the men than the male superheroes for many reasons, I'm sure, but I don't I don't think we I don't I didn't look into what, why they did that, but hey, and it's good. just a one off, just as it is, and it gives them yeah. you know sort of a an option to use history and inform the reader a little bit. That's true. That's fair. I mean, yeah, and they're good stories. So the, what does it matter? So she worked with the Russian night witches with her sister, with her foster sister, Court, Courtney Duganovna. Duganovna. Yeah, something like that. Dugin, yeah. yeah. I'm sure like I said, we are butchering it, but it's okay. We're doing our best. These here. are, these are Soviet union names. Okay. It cut us a little slack. <laughs> these are Russian names. There's a lot of, a lot of letters in there. So on trip, but on trading day, uh, Courtney's plane, you know, exploded and car flew to save her. And after they landed, they were arrested as traitors to the USSR and they were interrogated. So after after they proved their loyalty, they became the face of the, of the Soviet Union's resistance as Supergirl and Stargirl. That's actually, and I didn't really, I haven't really read the bombshells that well. I've seen you know their images all over the place. That's really interesting to make Stargirl and Supergirl in this universe sisters. Mm-hmm. So which is which is pretty good. Yeah, I'm glad that Stargirl's you that also up. a very underrated character as well. Agreed. Yeah, I, that, I was literally about to say that exact same thing. So, they were so the Supergirl and Stargirl were ordered to attack a Nazi camp, but then Supergirl heard, heard Russian voices and realized that they were expendable villagers, and the government wanted to use wanted to use them as propaganda. So they both went, "Nah, bye, we're out of here." So, mm-hmm. but what's interesting is that she has, you know. Run of the she kind of has run of the mill um superpowers like her normal stuff, but she also has a sonic scream, so that's pretty cool. I mean, if you think about it, like early like Golden Age Superman had a bunch of stupid superpowers that were like I think he had like uh, if he if he kissed somebody a certain way, he could make them forget something. Oh yeah. Like I don't know how the heck that works, but what? <laughs> okay, whatever. So this is that was that's a pretty cute nod to like, yeah, she has her powers, and then this one weird one-off thing. It's like, oh, all right, whatever. Yeah, you'll find that more often than not with like different versions of Superman and sort of like the Super Family is that like more often than not where you're gonna find the most differences in them. I feel like is their backstory as well as like having like an extra power or losing a power usually. I feel like that's like more often than not how they do it is that they either take something away or they add on something that's like a different version of what we're used to. Cause like Superman has like the frost press, right? The frost breath. Um, and so, you know, you give the sonic screen to Kara Starkov just to make it just a little bit individual and unique. Right. Because otherwise she's just like, Oh, it's just fresh and super, super girl, which, yeah. You know, yeah. Which I guess would be like, all right, cool, but also, meh. It's interesting <laughs> is that she's in a relationship with Elosia Lane. So, Lo- now, 
basically this world's lowest lane, but but she's from Cuba and not America. And she's, you know, an investigative reporter. That's interesting. Mostly for many reasons and not, again, all representation and women power. No, because I'm not I'm not seeing that. But that is interesting to me because this this story supposed to take place in the 40s. And that was considered a, a no-no back then. Yep. I wouldn't. I shouldn't say no-no. People were not as tolerant or understanding as society tries to be now. Yeah. But which is so it's really cool to write a story like that. And I'm sure they were like accurate with the times of like, oh, this is my girlfriend. It's like, oh, how dare you? Instead of it being like, yeah, they're just gonna <laughs> hand wave it. They're gonna be accepting. It's like no. They wouldn't, I think the, the, I think the only one who wasn't shocked by their relationship, like thinking back on it, was like the bombshell version of Amanda Waller, who like headed up the bombshells. She was like the like the leading sort of like military rank, what, however you want to say that. That makes I, me I, worried for this universe. Amanda <laughs> yeah. Waller's the one in charge. I'm like, who is that? Because you said Amanda Waller, and I went, there's a suicide squad in this universe? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if there is, it didn't pop up in my research, but I'm going to look into that, honestly. Because I remember, I like think back to it a little bit, and I think I actually read um, a good portion of the Bombshell story. I think I read like the last two issues without realizing it. Um, because as I was going through and like looking this up, I was like, I remember this. And I was like, wasn't she in a relationship? And just sort of like looked it up and I was like, oh yeah. And I remember the panel and everything like that. So it was like one of those old sort of comic books that I picked up as a kid and I forgot about it. And then I just like read it and it came screaming back to me all these years, which is like, honestly, like a really nice little treat to find that type of stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those like, and the bombshells is just, it's. I wouldn't even say it's like a one-off story, but it's it's like a small, very niche series. But it's a very good series. Oh yeah, what no, it it's very well written. You get a really a lot of nice Easter eggs for like frequent DC readers, um, and it's you know not really much on the it's it's not on the map so much. It's very slept on, kind of like 2099, except with less recognition <laughs> than 2099 has. <laughs> yeah, that's because true. it's not like a consistent world. This was like a one-off thing. But yeah, so that's Kara Starikov. Yeah, I I I love the. I just love that they switched up and made Lois Lane in a relationship with Kara. I think that's great. And I also think that it's great because not only does it it cross borders, but it crosses like sexuality as well. And I love whenever they have um, somebody within the Marvel or the DC universe universe sort of like have some sort of representation that like isn't heterosexual. I love that. I, I always say that General James Howlett is one of my favorite characters you know, that's the Wolverine who fights demons in the underworld with Hercules for the end of time because they're in a relationship with one another. It's just like got stuck there. Like, even even though it sounds like it sucks, they're happy because they both are incredible fighters fight. and are like together. <laughs> so, yep. you know, I, I love stories like that. And I think this is another really good example of one where they play off of one another. And it's a, a great example of like, Lois Lane and Clark Kent's sort of like golden boy relationship that we all know and love. And, you know, the very, you know, nothing wrong with that. I don't want to say that I have any problem with their traditional relationship. I love it. I grew up on it, but it's nice but to it's, see alternate versions of yes. it. 
was just about to say, it's good to see alternate versions of it that don't stick to the formula. Yeah, exactly. It it shows that the writers are willing to get a little bit more creative and are willing to like sort of play with things a little bit. Um, yes, I agree. But let's be honest, the writers need to stop making possible futures and then erasing them from existence because because oh, yeah. that bothers me. It's like, oh, I'm from this future. I'm going back now. It's like, oh, you can't go back because now you changed it. So it shouldn't exist. You're here now. <laughs> right. Which I and I'm sure and I'm sure DC's done that way too much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a great example of that is actually the Future Smiths timeline, which is where our next Supergirl comes from. So before I even describe Seer L, that's the Supergirl that we're going to talk about. Um, I'm going to explain the Future Smiths timeline just because it takes just like a quick sec just for you guys to like understand where we are within the DC universe. So the Future Smiths timeline is a fragmentation of Brainiac in like a very, very far flung future. So he's bent on destroying the past and to sort of like create his perfect future. And so from that, um, the future Smiths, which is Alexander Luther, Brainiac 12 and Seer L, they send Seer L back under the pretense that the future Smiths are benevolent in order to trick people to destroy the past, to give themselves a sort of better future. So in this future Smith. Yeah, that's not confusing at all. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I know. Just like stay with me. I'm almost done. I have one more thing to explain. Um, so it's an alternate future timeline once again. So it's not rebirth or anything like that. It's it's alternate. And it's a group. The future Smiths are a group of scientists. So we have Alexander Luthor, like I said, and we have Brainiac 12. And Brainiac 12 is a improved version of Brainiac. He's the 12th generation of Brainiac. So he's that much more sort of like powered and that much more sort of forward thinking, hence why he wants to destroy the past. And he's doing it under the guise of being a benevolent group um, in order to save, or in his mind, save his future, right? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. The future Smiths, which are Alexander Luthor, Brainiac 12, and CRL, sends CRL back from the future to the past to destroy that past to give themselves a better future. That's sort of like the best way that I can describe it. I know I, I know I described it three times, but that's because I just want you guys to know where we're at. So, like I said, Seer L um, is our Supergirl of the Future Smiths timeline, right? So, in order for them to wipe out the past, they have to try to convince people. Like I said, they're trying to give off the sort of framework that they are benevolent, right? So even CRL is tricked a little bit. <clears throat> so they send her back in time under the guise of her to meet her quote unquote father, which is Superman. Right? So not only do Brainiac 12 and Alexander Luther trick CRL, they're trying to trick that entire timeline on top of it. So they send her back to earth and she arrives there pretty suddenly and almost immediately makes a name for herself by chucking uh, a villain named Radeon into a nuclear reactor. Uh, so she literally shows up on Earth, sees trouble, bounds in, grab this dude, and just chucks him into the reactor. Um, and it Boy pisses got yeeted, off. Huh? Oh yeah, literally just like straight up this bitch empty yeet into the reactor, like full on. <laughs> 
screw his protons I, and neutrons, I, just throw him in there, see what happens. Like, just stick him Chris, in the nuclear fission blender and just hope he doesn't come out type thing. That's <laughs> why we would not be writers for either Marvel or DC, because <laughs> you and I would both write in those text boxes, hey, this the- bitch, yeet. <laughs> it would literally just be memes on memes on panels. <laughs> That's exactly um, what it but yeah, so that pisses off the citizens of Metropolis because now she's destroyed their nuclear reactor. Uh, but she does explain to herself, she's like, I'm a far-flung future version of Superman's daughter. I'm here to meet my father. Where can I find him? And like literally she says that and he shows up out of nowhere and drags her away to sort of demoli- d- like diminish all of the damage that she could potentially do to Metropolis based on her showing up for literally 30 seconds and destroying something so key and integral to the city. Um, so he talks her down and Clark and Lois who are together in this past timeline discuss what it means that Cyril has sort of showed up at this point in time. Right. So she was like, I had a group of scientists send me back. I'm here to meet you. It's so great to meet you. And Superman is like, I don't trust this. What's going on? Like, why now? Why are you showing up now? And him and Lois are sort of like, I'm your daughter from the future. Yeah. Not sketchy at all. He's like, "Hmm, uh, forgive me if i don't exactly trust you daughter um so but i don't exactly trust you person who says is my child from future (laughs) yeah because how many times have he had that same situation it's like i'm your child from the future oh my god amazing evil damn it yeah this frag this fragmented timeline clark still has all of his knowledge to be like don't trust it. Came back from a boom tube. All right. Don't know who you are. Let's let's talk about who oh, you came might from be. A boom and what tube, this especially is. new. Yeah, exactly. Look out for those boom tubes, people. Yeah. But yeah. Superman's gonna eat you if you don't get out of here. <laughs> it's into a different nuclear reactor, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but while all this it. big commotion is sort of happening and everything like that, there is a. It seems unrelated, but it's not. There's a woman in an alley who is being attacked. She's being mugged while CRL is sort of like throwing this dude in the reactor and Superman drags her away. Um, she's being attacked in the alley, but suddenly transforms into CRL. So what we have here is since this is a fragmented timeline, right? We have sort of a sort of split and dual sort of personality thing. So Sir that L sound, that doesn't sound like a that doesn't sound like that, that doesn't sound like a dual personality. That sounds like two different people. Yeah, yeah. So technically it is two different people, but it is Sir L and then there is her alter ego Mia, who has the predisposition to change into Sir L, basically, based on the fragmented sort of time lapse that's going on, and it it kind of confuses the timeline a little bit. She's not confusing the readers a little bit too. Yeah. She's not really that important, but she shows up a couple times. And the reason that she has that split personality is that like Mia sort of stands for one thing and Sir L stands for another. Um, I want to make it very clear that like Sir L is Sir L and that Mia and Sir L is purely a blip that it, it, it's an anomaly that shows up just because of the amount of time travel and just like sort of, uh, okay the perfect amount of time and everything showing up. Like literally it, it doesn't mean that much, but it is something that happens and it is somewhat significant. I won't spoil what it's significant for, but it is something that I wanted to share with you guys. So there's that sort of weird dual personality in there as well. Um, and that's sort of what's going on with Mia and Sir L. So eventually within this timeline, Superman is dragged in the future by the future Smiths 
and has learned what happens to Seer El's Earth and how it became sort of like a wasteland and it's completely destroyed and it's apocalypse in like the aftermath of a machine revolt, right? But in addition to that, he sees his own future as Cyborg Superman, right? So he's able to see Excuse himself. Me? Yeah. So from one, he sort of like gains the knowledge of understanding what's going on there and sort of that kind of messes with him a little bit. And so he is able to actually rescue Seer L, who was pulled back with him by the Future Smiths, takes her back to their timeline, runs a DNA test, which confirms that she is, in fact, his daughter. However, it's later learned, while Superman is, I, I believe he's being healed in the aftermath of a battle, I'm not entirely sure. It's later learned that Seer L is not fully Kryptonian. But whoever created her used Superman's DNA as a template. So it's sort of a similar thing to Con Keenan, where they used a dead Kryptonian's genetic uh, sort of layout, except this time they used, you know, um, Kal-El's. They used his. They used Superman's. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like Connor. Yeah, it's very similar to Connor, except she comes from a different timeline and has, like, a different sort of, like, host of powers. Um, but yeah, so it's confirmed that she is in fact actually his daughter and that she was created using his DNA as a template, right? Um, and that's all that I'm going to tell you about that timeline. I know that that was like crazy confusing and there's a lot of weird plot points, but if you're into time hopping stuff and you're into like alternative versions and things of that nature, I'm going to recommend the Future Smith's timeline to you because I think you're fully going to enjoy it. There's a couple twists and turns that can be kind of confusing, but just follow it for the next four, like few panels, and you'll get your bearings, and you'll understand what's going on. Chris, I have uh, to get you. I have to get you a medal because <laughs> because you have just explained something that I didn't even really know about. I you. knew about Seer L, and all I knew was that she's an alternate future Supergirl related to Superman somehow. All this other stuff, I had no clue. Woo! Look at that. Somebody marked the episode. I found something that <laughs> so, Zach doesn't so, know. Here we go. <laughs> Somebody, so now I think, Chris, you have two points and I have all the others. <laughs> hey, honestly, I'll take my two points and I will bring them to the fucking bank. All right? I'm going to stick those in a savings <laughs> deposit box. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but yeah. Did, anyways, was, with Seer L, um, I mentioned that she was a little bit different. I want to bring up her powers because her powers are a little bit separated um, than what you normally see with like a Supergirl type character. And so it's note it's notable to mention that she cannot fly. So CRL cannot fly, but she has superhuman leaping essentially. Oh, so like the old original Superman. Exactly. Yeah. And I was also, I was about to say, if you want to picture it really well, if any of you have seen the Eric Bana version of the Incredible Hulk, there's a scene where he's literally just like he jumps and he flies like 50 miles across the desert. That's what CRL can do, essentially. So she has the leaping. She's got the superhuman hearing and the strength and the durability, all of that great stuff. But she also has a red sunburst power, which is like an energy projection, essentially. So that allows her to sort of like fire stuff um, and gives her just a little bit more of an edge, you know, so they take the take away the flying, give her the leaping and then also give her the sunburst energy projection on top of it. So, boom, that's Seer L. I'm not going to keep talking about that so much because that is like, that's wow, a lot. That, that timeline itself is like so much to deal with and it really 
kind of screws with the timelines itself um, and like puts Supergirl's timeline itself in question. And at, as you know, when you travel one time. way or several ways across time, you're going to create consequences. You know, whether you're in DC or Marvel, the consequences tend to be like bigger or smaller, depending on like how you're traveling, who you're traveling with, what you're trying to accomplish with the traveling. You know, either way, you're either going to split it off, you're going to create a cataclysmic event, or you're going to create a whole brand new alternative negative Earth for all we know. Okay. And so, you like literally with this type of stuff, it puts a lot of people's future and kind of like timelines into question. But at the same time, when you do that as a writer and as a comic book creator, it gives you that amount of variation that I say every single friggin' episode that it allows them to just come up with more content, which is why it's an incredible narrative device and is why it's a great way to bring this type of stuff to our readers. So, yeah, I think that's it, it, it puts not only Supergirl's future into question, but all comic book characters into question. And, you know, that's from true. that, we can talk about sort of like the future state version of Kara Zor-El, right? So the potential future that she could have. However, it is an actual issue. So it's mentioned that this is a potential future, but at the same time, it is actually on paper. It's actually document like yeah it's you, you you can read this possible future instead of being told yeah. or briefly see that this is a possible future and then going back and changing it yeah so like right future state carswell is no longer supergirl she's now goes by superwoman and she lives on the moon and made a fortress like made like a colony because she left earth because her cousin gave the mantle of protector of earth and the sigil of house L to his son, John and not, you know, his cousin who is full Kryptonian and John's half Kryptonian. So she felt a little betrayed. Um, and I'm going to, I'm just going to get on my soapbox here real quick. Dick Dick move, move, Clark. Clark. (laughs) Dick move. Like, 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 uh, and it's, it's weird because when you, when you were talking about CRL, I was, a little confused about her naming because that's not really how it works. Like, mm-hmm. at least from what I understand from Kryptonian names, like Kara Zor-El is named Kara Zor-El and the Zor-El is her dad's name. So, and meanwhile, Clark's name is Kal-El. So to me, that tells me the men just get the last two letters of, or the last, the letters of the house. And then they have their own name, hy- hy- their first name hyphened into, you know, so it's Cal, his last name is L. But Kara is Kara Zor-El, so that's like, so the women get the name of the of the father. So that's why I was like, it was like, oh, I'm Sir L, I'm like, Sir L. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't really line up mm-hmm. of, of how that works, but sure. But. But Kara Zor-El is like, yeah, no, she should have been the protector of Earth. It's like, well, oh, listen, yeah. John, you could be Superman, but you're half Kryptonian, my friend. Yeah, it's, I think Clark sort of – the reason that he does that is because his father was never able to do that with him. So he has sort of like worked his ass off. He's found another planet that he's able to protect. He's gained – sort of like the mantle of protector of earth 
And so for once, he has a lineage that he can actually pass something down to. So I think that's kind of his thinking. At the same time, I fully disagree with it <laughs> because yeah. Kara 100% deserves it. She does. 100% deserves it. And it's like, what the hell are you doing, my friend? Yeah. But whatever. So she loses it, and therefore she builds the Fortress of Solitude on the moon, right? So she she physically removes herself from Earth, um, and is also why, if you look up any future state sort of art with her, she has the S on her belt, but she does not have it on her torso. She's just got the regular blue shirt. Um, yeah, Chris because, and I were talking about this, and yeah. I read the uh, future state Superwoman uh, two issues, and I was like, wait. What? She did not have the sim. I I saw it on the belt, and I just I didn't I didn't really fully know what happened of like why she's not wearing it on her chest, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh well, that makes sense now, but dang, that sucks. Yeah, it's she gets a real like a raw deal on top of it. So like this is also, once again, this is a possible future of Supergirl. She's Superwoman at this point. Um, she is still dealing with sort of like her survivor's guilt and her anger and her PTSD. Like that's still very much around just as it was in the bombshells, you know, it's, it's still prevalent. It's still something that she's dealing with. And so on top of, you know, all the work that she's done to get to the place where she's at only to have the one thing that she could potentially be striving for ripped away from her just sucks. You really just feel for her. And so, you know, from that, she sort of takes it, leaves Earth, and decides to sort of work with the universe refugee to give herself purpose. Um, and it's sort of a better version of her um, sort stream of time with the Red Lantern Corps. She's actually helping people this time, and she's actually sort of like providing a home and protecting and, you know, involving herself in the universe and making a name for herself not necessarily the house of l but for superwoman for kara zor-el and i i honestly think that that it's a great way to approach all of the loss that she could have been feeling yeah that's true i mean and because this takes place in the far the far future how much i don't really remember how far in the future but it's Far enough that she has to talk about a lot of her friends in the past tense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so she yeah she makes a home for refugees. Um, and the story the story is only like two issues. A lot of these future state ones were only like two issues. But they are, except for the Batman stories. But that's Batman. But yeah. um, <laughs> the, even just two issues is pretty damn good. And yeah, it's two issues, but she also has like short cameos within uh, Future State Superman and Metropolis too. And we'll talk about that when we do reader recommendations. But the reason why we're saying it's short is because we we don't want to overshare because right. it, it's it's such a good arc. It's so short, but it is just packed and chock full of just like excellent narrative and just like fan satisfying goodness, in my yeah. opinion. Okay, I know I agree with you with it. I agree with that opinion. And that future state was kind of like a hey, here's some stuff we're gonna test out the waters, um, you know. And they're that's where they're possible futures. These are things that 
could happen, and even then, they might make references to them in the in current runs of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's like a potential could happen. Even then, could happen. They could things from the future state could come to come back to you know that come back in time and still affect what they have to or still exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole thing of time travel and alternate reality travel being roughly the same thing. We're not going to get into that. We spoke about that at some point. Oh, God. We're not getting yeah. into it anymore. I, I can research hot tub time machine as much as the next guy, but I still wouldn't be able to explain <laughs> it to you. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So, and it's funny because there's, there's another kind of super person that I really think people just see and just assume the one thing and they don't see for what they really are bizarro girl is one of these things uh so this is super supergirl's bizarro version mm-hmm. so what are bizarros they're synthetic sentient life forms they have like a base form of intelligence they mostly focus on survival and there are a lot of them are different are created differently like bizarro's been created at so many different ways, cloning or a ray, like a, a reverse ray or whatever. Yeah, natural means. It all depends on where you look. Yeah, and but they're always flawed and they're imperfect duplicates. They usually are kind of the opposite of who they of who the Bizarro version of who they are the Bizarro version of. Mm-hmm. Not like oh, so Bizarro's Flash would be reverse Flash. No, it would be Flash, but he would be like. Um, he would be very obese and not a fast runner, but he'd be really, but he's really good at flying. Like that's the bizarre version. It'd be like, all right, he's, he's bad at doing what the normal guy should, should be doing, but he's really good at doing something else. Perfect example. Yeah. Perfect example is also the powers. Mm -hmm. So bizarro girl has the same powers as Supergirl, but she does not have heat vision. She has freezing vision. She has Arctic vision. She doesn't have, you know, a, a freeze breath. She has a f- fire breath, you know, that's, and like, or like, um, enhanced here, like x-ray hearing, whatever that really means. But she also has something unique to her is a solid vision, which mm-hmm. it's really just a petrifying, uh, eye beam. It's kind of like I think the best the best thing to hearken it to is Ghost Rider's penance stare. Except not except literal. Yeah, except literally <laughs> petrifying versus like making you go over your sins type thing. Yeah, instead of you being petrified with fear, it's you being turned to stone. Yeah, which is so, so Bizar- cool. <laughs> yeah, Bizarro Girl was created by Bizarro to help him defeat a race of planet eaters. Um. Except, you know, uh, Bizarro realized that he really loved her and, and he didn't want her to risk her life. So he tried to put her on a rocket to save him and send her, send her to Earth. But they, um, Bizarro, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen stopped him. Yes, there is you a know. Bizarro version of Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah. This is from this. So this is not just, oh, they, were, they existed on, on the same Earth. It's like, no, this is an alternate reality Earth. Or everyone's a Bizarro. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bizarro was like, oh, we're leaving. And and then he got stopped from leaving. And then so only Bizarro Girl left by accident. You know, she ends up on Earth. 
and she you know immediately loses her mind because it's because to her this earth this is complete opposite of her earth so this is weird and she doesn't like being here this is an alien planet you know so she tried to um she fought supergirl who also was still kind of suffering from survivor's guilt from being a survivor of krypton you know not like she's the only one but just being but being one and remembering she feels awful and watching it happen she just feels she felt awful about it mm-hmm. which makes sense but then after supergirl you know won the battle you know she told bizarre girl like hey i'm gonna help you um i'm gonna help you go get back home so when bizarre girl returned to her earth which is called her tray it's it's earth backwards it's yep. literally just earth backwards I love so, it when they do that <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure their their world is a cube if i remember correctly yeah i think you are remembering correctly so they the people realized that they resented her because that you know they thought that she left them in their in their in their time of need as the as the planet eaters were eating the planet mm-hmm so they they don't get the full story. They just see her leaving in a rocket. They don't see Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane physically stopping Bizarro Number One from like going with her. Yep. And the reason he's called Bizarro Number One is because it's technically not the first same. One. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's supposed to be referencing like the first. He is the first of his Earth, and also the first, technically the first Bizarro ever, because even when that you know. Even in the multiverse gets rewritten, that Earth still still will exist at some point. So he is usually the first one to actually start making that Earth. Yeah. That's why he's yeah, called Bizarro Number One. And this is like a a big turning point for Supergirl too, because like like Zach mentioned, she's very like she's still dealing with that survivor's guilt and has very little self esteem. So the fact that she's able to not only beat Bizarro Girl but like takes the high road. To be like, there's nothing I can really do for you here besides throw you in a box. And she was like, I'd much rather like have like take you home and have your own people judge you. Like that's a huge character growth just for like regular Supergirl as it is. So not only are we like giving you information about Bizarro Girl, but we also get to see a really cool Supergirl cameo and we get to see her like character really grow, which I think is awesome. And it's sort of like yeah, it, it, it's a great moment. Yeah, a really good moment because, like you said, you know, she just survived uh, Krypton. She remembers it. She feels guilty. Like, yeah, what the hell else are you gonna do? I'm gonna throw you in jail away from your people. Meanwhile, your people are, are probably gonna die. Yeah. Like, she could not. There's no even a any self-respecting hero would not do that to mm-hmm. to anybody. It doesn't matter who. It's like, oh, you're a bad guy. Okay, yeah, but your people still need help. So, damn. Like, yeah. As usual, the super family usually, typically, does not kill unless absolutely necessary. Like, like, super. Like, I would say in the Justice League, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are the two that I think would go. Would be like, I'm not gonna kill you. Bam. I'm not gonna kill you. Bam. All right, screw it. Yeah. But Superman would keep taking the hits until it's like, no, if I literally, literally, I can't change their mind. I can't stop them. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, 
keep him somewhere else, they, I have to get rid of him. That's the only time they would kill anybody. And Supergirl, Supergirl still still would be like, would, I would say would be the same thing. Maybe take her a little less hits for her to be like, I yeeting you into the sun, but <laughs> but it would still take her a while to, before she actually just goes, all right, I'm gonna kill you. So she can't do that, especially if somebody wearing her face. She would never. I don't think she can do that. Oh yeah. Definitely. So reading recommendations for everybody because we're trying not to have these episodes be super duper long because we've been doing that lately. Yeah, let Which us know what you guys fair. think about the, the, the shorter character lists. If you want us to do like extended up or like extend like part more part ones and part twos, let us know. If you're good with just like three or four versions of one character and then revisiting in a later time, let us know. You know, we're we're trying to have some different to the formulas. Six. Yeah, or back to the six. This is still a relatively new show. We want to figure out what you guys want. We enjoy it. I mean, we can talk about this shit for like literally all day, every yeah, day. We could. So like this. Whether is, this you guys are able to us, follow no it is a different story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we want to see what you guys think. So you know, if you have some time, go ahead, send us some suggestions. Send us what you think. If we don't hear anything, we're gonna keep rolling on as usual. So yeah. But anyways, let's jump into our reader recommendations. Go ahead, Zach. Yep. So Bizarro Girl, read Supergirl Volume 5, issues 53 to 57. And then, yeah, it, on these episodes, there should be in the description a way to send us audio messages. So you can do that. I don't think I've been mentioning that. I didn't even know about that, to be honest. The program yeah, I, we I, used. I, I'm learning about this just now, actually. I didn't know that. Was <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing to be learning this during the recording. <laughs> oh, well, it happens. So, Future State, Cars Zor-El, reads Future State, Cars Zor-El, Superwoman, and Future State, Superman and Metropolis. Both of those only have two issues. You want to not, read about... not difficult to find either, because they're very recent. Yes, you want to read about the confusing mess that is Sir-El, Superman Volume 2, issues 190 to 200 superman batman number five number 24 and 25 and action comics number 807 and 808 much that like the is. timeline it's split up into a bunch of issues so that one might take a little bit more research but if you yes. really like time travel i'm gonna keep recommending that because crl is a very cool character yes my favorite when they split up something so confusing uh <laughs> DC Bombshell, Supergirl, Cars, Starikov. I almost said Starkinov. That's not – we already made that joke, me and Chris. That's <laughs> not how you say it. So you read DC's Bombshells and Bombshells United. Mm-hmm. And you want to read about uh, Earth Zero, Earth, Prime Earth, Supergirl, Supergirl Rebirth, um, Action Comics, and Adventure Comics. All those under the Rebirth title. Um, and I believe there was there's actually a whole series of there's a, she has her own little bit in her own series there where she goes to space and is actually learning about the destruction of her planet and it might have been caused by somebody else. I don't remember how that resolved. It was just interesting to me to see her going around in space, being like, "All right, Clark's got Earth. I'm out." Yeah, she does her own thing. So that's it for Supergirl for this episode, at the very least. Once again, she is surprisingly up there as one of my favorite DC 
characters. So if you guys want to hear more about Supergirl, please let us know because I would love to talk about Kara Zor-El Mel because she is so cool. And I love that we have a woman Superman who's stronger than a regular Superman. Very, very cool. That representation is very important. And do yourselves a favor, much like the Superman family, go out and spend some time in the sun. Go recharge sometime this week. You know, we're we're just getting uh, over all of this horrible quarantine and all this awful pandemic. I know we said we wouldn't bring it up on the podcast, but we're finally starting to lift. Go hang out. Go go hang out inside. Go kiss your family and recharge with the sun. 